here's to you, Christian. I'll even say this. Do you know who I think the safest person in the world is? The one who you can trust with your life? The person who has an ultimate allegiance to Jesus. This is you. Horton, come out of the book into real life. Or better yet, it's Jesus in you. The Jesus who said with his entire life, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. I am faithful 100%. And he was. And he is. And he always will be. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Please stand out of respect for the words and the works of Jesus. Our gospel for today comes from Mark chapter 14. Here uh, we're continuing along a sermon series in uh, the account, Mark's account of Jesus' passion. What we're, we're going to be doing here is we're going to be picking up um, the story of Peter. It's, it's mixed in all throughout Mark chapter 14. We're going to pick up the little snippets and put them together here in this sermon. This is what Mark writes about Peter. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. 
And he broke down and wept. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I had a woman come up to me after a different sermon that I preached about a different Peter story. I've never forgotten what she said. She came up to me and she said, I like Peter. <laughs> He's like me. There's a lot to like about Peter here. We can even like the fact, in sort of a, a relational way, the fact that, that Peter's like us. He denies Jesus. He's embarrassed of him. He betrays Jesus' confidence here. We can like Peter in the sense that he's like us. Martin Luther put it like this. He wrote, The church of God has great need of these examples. For what would become of us? What hope would be left for us if Peter had not denied Christ and all the apostles had not taken offense at him and if Moses, Aaron, and David had not fallen? Therefore, God wanted to console sinners with these examples and say, if you have fallen, return. For the door of mercy is open to you. Quite right. If there is mercy for Peter, then there is mercy for us. If there is mercy and grace for him, then there is mercy and grace for us. There's so much to like about Peter because he's so much like us, but... But I got to tell you, that, that's, that's sort of the traditional sermon that you give on this scripture. You maybe have heard it before. Peter denies Jesus. We deny Jesus too. Look at the way that we, Jesus has, still has grace for us. I want to take a different direction though. I think there's more to like here from Peter than that. Here's to Peter. Peter, who had the right inclination. Peter, who had a supreme, aspired to have a supreme allegiance to Jesus. Jesus comes to them. He says, I will strike the shepherd and, and the sheep will be scattered. He's quoting the great prophet Zechariah. He says, you're all going to go down. And Peter catches the drift. He understands what's going on. And he says, not me, Lord. <laughs> Everybody else might. Not me. And so Peter, and so Jesus comes right back at him. Not just with Zechariah's prophecy, but with a prophecy of his own, a word of his own. He comes back to Peter and he says, Peter, let me tell you, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to disown me three times. And Peter says, no, I won't. This time he's emphatic about it. He says, I'm not going to do that. Even if I have to die with you, I'm not going to do that. Peter had the right inclination. 
Now, before I go any further with that, I should tell you, it's never a good idea to disagree with Jesus. Don't do that. You're going to end up being wrong. Don't disagree with Jesus. <laughs> but look at what, how Jesus responds. Jesus didn't say to Peter, 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 Peter. No, no, no. I'm, whoever asked you to die for me, I never asked you to do that. That's not what he said. He said, you're not going to be able to do it. See, Peter actually had the right inclination. Now, before I go any further, I should point out to you that this should probably shock us more than it does. Some of us here, we've heard this story so many times, we're sort of immune to it, we're sort of numb to it, we don't realize how extreme Peter actually is here. So we got to wake up to it in a way. Like, we got to think about it like this. Like, if a guy comes up to us on the street and he says, I'm a religious fanatic, I follow somebody, and I'm willing to die for him religiously, we'd all go, whoa, <laughs> whoa, buddy. I don't, know, I don't know about you. I know people like you. They're dangerous to the world. See, Peter's a religious fanatic. He is willing to die for Jesus. We know this in our guts, that this makes us a little bit nervous, right? We, whoa, <laughs> religious fanaticism. We're okay with fanaticism, of course. Right? We call them fans these days. We cheer for the Buckeyes. We're okay with online gaming fanaticism. We're okay with all kinds of fanaticism. We approve of it. We're even okay in our culture with people being religious. When we get nervous is when they're willing to go the whole way. Just don't do that. See, that's scary. And that's why we need to hear Jesus say this to us. See, he didn't say to Peter, whoa, whoa, Peter, Peter, religious fanaticism ruins the world. You shouldn't be willing to die for me. What he said was, you're not going to be able to do it. But he had the right inclination. Here's to Peter for that. Of course, normally we have different language for this in the Bible. Here in America today, we call it religious fanaticism, but, but the Bible actually calls it faithfulness. Loyalty. Allegiance. That's what the Bible calls it. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it, what, what Peter aspires to do, what he starts going down the path to do, in fact, I think we should give Peter a little bit of credit, don't you? He at least went to the courtyard. None of the other disciples did. He at least was at the fire. Nobody else did that. See, he had the right 
inclination. He aspired to it. He wasn't able to do it. Turns out that his ultimate allegiance was to himself. But he at least knew better. Maybe I can get you there. Maybe at least I'll try. I was thinking about it. Do you know what I think is really good about having something to die for? It means that you actually have something to live for. Martin Luther King Jr. put it much more strongly than I just did. He said this, a man does not have something, a man who does not have something for which he is willing to die is not fit to live. It's good to have something that you are willing to die for as long as it's Jesus. As long as it's Jesus. See, I get it. I, I know why we get nervous about religious fanaticism. We've seen what, this had, that, what that's done in this country. That's scary. As long a supreme allegiance to Jesus is the only supreme allegiance there is that will heal the world. I'll tell you why. When you have a loyalty to Jesus, you are, loyalty, you are loyal to Jesus for the same reason that Peter was loyal to Jesus. You look at Jesus and you say, he's my God. He gives me everything. He's my redeemer. He's my reconciler. He's everything to me. I'm loyal to Jesus. See, and when you are loyal to Jesus, then you are also loyal to the people that Jesus loves. And Jesus loves everybody. A supreme allegiance to Jesus is the only kind of allegiance that's going to heal the world. No other allegiance is going to do that. If you have an allegiance to the Buckeyes, the only thing that's going to do is block out Saturday afternoons in the fall. So here's to Peter that he aspires to this. It's called faithfulness, and it's beautiful. It really does heal the world. Do you know what? Do you know what the best gift in my life is, bar none, aside from Jesus himself? It's my wife. What does she do for me? She's faithful. Why is she faithful? Because she has an allegiance to Jesus. <laughs> Allegiances to Jesus heal the world. Faithfulness heals the world. I think of it as love over time. Even think about my relationship with you. Let's say, if God allows it, I'm your pastor for 25 years. Do you know what you're going to remember about me? You're not going to remember this sermon. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You won't. Do you know what you're going to remember? That I was there for you. When your loved one died. That's what you'll remember. 
You know what you remember? You remember that there's that one sin that you thought couldn't be forgiven. You told me about it, and I told you that you were. That's what you'll remember. The people who showed up at what I think is 7 a.m. this morning, <laughs> they're going to remember that I showed up. <laughs> Even on daylight savings time. You're not going to remember what I preached today. What are you going to remember? You're going to remember that I showed up every Sunday, and every Sunday I told you about Jesus. <laughs> That's what you're going to remember. Faithfulness is the best gift you can ever give to anybody. A supreme allegiance to Jesus is the one that heals the world. Have an allegiance to your bank account and you're just going to ignore poor people. Have an allegiance to, say, your job and you're going to ignore your family. Have an allegiance to Jesus. You're going to love everybody. Because Jesus loves everybody. And he tells us to do the same. I'll even go this far. Do you know who I think the scariest people in the world are? I think the scariest kind of person in the world is somebody who doesn't have a supreme allegiance to Jesus. You know why? Because when push comes to shove, when the going gets tough, they will leave you. They will choose themselves over you every single time. Just like Peter did to Jesus. But see, Peter here had the right inclination. Here's to him for that. And here's to him for the fact that he grieved that he didn't yet have it. Here's to him for that. This is the part of the story that, of course, is very, very famous. Peter's there, gathered around the fire. It's cold, Palestinian night. <laughs> and this servant girl comes up to him. It's a servant girl. It's a servant girl. It's not a soldier. It's not a religious leader. It's a servant girl. It's a girl. Surely you were with that man, the Nazarene. I don't know what you're talking about. He slinks away over to the entryway. Servant girl notices him there. This man, he was with them. Peter denies it. They're listening to Peter. They're thinking, he sounds like a Galilean. I can tell he's from that part of the world. Surely you are with that man. No, I'm not. Starts calling down curses on himself. He swears, I don't know this man that you're talking about. And the rooster crows. And he goes outside and he weeps. He weeps bitterly. Here's to Peter for at least understanding how disloyalty feels. Here's to Peter for understanding how much unfaithfulness hurts other people. Here's at least to that we can learn from him. 
There is a lot we need to grieve. We live in a world that believes in disloyalty. What is the opposite of loyalty? It's individualism. What is the opposite of allegiance? It is choosing your own path. What do sociologists say about the United States national religion today? Do you know what they they call it? They call it extreme, expressive individualism. What is that talking about? What's that saying? You already know it in your bones. It says this. What do people say? Do we say, we are here on this earth to love and serve each other? No. What do we say? You do you. It's not love and serve each other. It's you do you. You can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody else. You do you. Peter shows us that we should grieve that. He shows us how tragic that is. That's the thing that explains so much hurt in this world. What do you do if you don't like somebody? Just ghost them. Don't text them back. What do you do if the pregnancy is inconvenient or hard? Just kill the baby. If you think that I'm just cherry-picking stuff, let me tell you this. This has even invaded the most sacred relationships on earth. There was a survey that was given to married people where married people were asked, if you could get away with sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse, they... Your spouse would never find out about it. Would you do it? 70 per, over 70% of men said they would. And women were at 69%. If we want to get on our high horses, Christians, let me give you one other stat. We've been in COVID situation for about a year. I saw one stat that said that 43% of Christians during COVID quit their church for a different one. What does that tell you? When the going gets tough, some Christians just quit. I was reading a, a book to my daughter when this really hit me. It's a book called Horton Hatches the Egg. (laughs) It's a great little book. It's a book about a mama bird who abandons her egg. And an elephant, Horton, sits on the egg. He never leaves the egg. Do you know what he said? This is what he would say. 
He would say all through this process, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. But you know what grieves my heart? It grieved me that the author thought that kids needed to know that. That kids have experienced so many divorces, so many experiences where a mom or a dad has left them like an egg in the nest, that the author had an elephant so that they would be able to imagine it. Peter is right to grieve this. But here's the most to Jesus. I hope that you figured out by now that what Mark is trying to do is he is obviously drawing a contrast. Here is Peter just outside where the trial is happening, denying Jesus. Here is Jesus, never, ever, ever denying Peter. He's drawing a contrast. And the contrast, on the one hand, it highlights how heinous this is that Peter is doing this. But on the other hand, it highlights the faithfulness of Jesus. That's what this story is ultimately about. It's about the gospel. It's about God. It's about a God who is faithful to people no matter how unfaithful to him they are. He's faithful, the scripture says. What do other scriptures say? When we are faithless, he is faithful. See, this scripture shows us. It doesn't just teach us. It shows us that no matter how unfaithful we've been, Jesus is going to be faithful to us. And it even goes so far as to tell us why. See, what does Scripture say? When we are faithless, He is faithful. Why? Because He will not deny Himself. Why is Jesus faithful? Because He has given us His Word. And He will never deny His Word. That's why he is faithful. See, that's why we can trust him so much of our lives. We experience a, a contingent faithfulness. We understand that people will be faithful to us only as much as we are faithful to them, which makes it hard for us to trust because we think that as soon as we're unfaithful, they're going to be done because that's what we experience. This is, by the way, I think why people love dogs so much. Nobody's smiling. You know I'm right. Because we understand that dogs don't have contingent faithfulness. They are faithful to us no matter how faithful we are to them. Jesus is even better. His faithfulness is not based upon our faithfulness to him. It's based upon his word. See, Jesus said two things to Peter, not one. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me. The other thing he said was this. 
Peter, I'm going to rise from the dead. And when I do, I'm going ahead of you into Galilee. You know what one of my favorite verses is in Mark? After Jesus rises from the dead, what does the angel say? Go tell Peter. Go tell Peter. He has risen from the dead. He has gone ahead of you into Galilee. For every Peter here, I'm here to say that. Peter, he went the whole way for you. Peter, he died for you. Peter, you were everything to him. Peter, he is a religious extremist for you. Do you realize what that means now? Jesus had something to die for. Something that he thought was worth it. Which also means that now Jesus has something to live for. See, he lives to be reconciled to you. He lives to be faithful to you. He lives to forgive you. He lives for this. See, whatever fire you've been at, whatever denial you've done, whatever is haunting you because you self-chose instead of chose him and others, he, that will not stop him. If you've broken your word to him, he will not break his word to you. In that book I told you about, Horton, he sits on that egg. Storms come. He sits on the egg. They make fun of him. He sits on the egg. Hunters come. He's afraid he's going to die. He sits on the egg. Every single time he says, I meant what I said and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. And then there was a, a scratching and then there was a clawing. And finally there was new life that broke out of that tomb. The egg. Peter, he'll go the whole way for you. Here's to Jesus for that. Of course, the story doesn't end here. In one of the most moving scenes, I think, that exists in the Bible, Peter and Jesus do meet up in Galilee. And they relive this experience together. And they are reconciled. And it's at that time when Peter sees the loyalty of Jesus to him, where Peter... Finally, the Holy Spirit grows in him in ultimate allegiance to Jesus. Did you know this about Peter? What Peter aspired to do, die for Jesus, he does do. He dies for Jesus. Uh, 
I don't suspect today that you're going to need to die for Jesus. I suspect that today, for you, this means that now you have something to really live for. Here's to you, Christian neighbor, who loves your neighbor even though they're kind of batty and bad. Here's to you, Christian mom, who loves your son even when he's throwing a tantrum. Here's to you, Christian husband, who holds on even when it's bad for months. And here's to you, Christian church member, who stays. Because here are the people that Jesus loves. And you get to love them too. Here's to you, Christian. I'll even say this. Do you know who I think the safest person in the world is? The one who you can trust with your life? The person who has an ultimate allegiance to Jesus. This is you. Horton, come out of the book into real life. (laughs) Or better yet, it's Jesus in you. The Jesus who said with his entire life, I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. I am faithful 100%. And he was. And he is. And he always will be. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. As we read your holy word, we see so many stories like this. People gone wrong, but a God so right. People who are disloyal, but a father who never is. People with no allegiance, a Jesus who always has an allegiance to us. Thank you, Father for being that God who sent us your Son. Work in us by your mighty Spirit in ultimate allegiance to you. Amen.